Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 317. Do you have a question about your upcoming Royal Caribbean cruise? I bet you do. And part of the goal of this podcast is to try to help everybody have a better cruise experience. And to that point, we're dedicating this entire episode to answering your cruise questions and share some tips, advice, and insight. Here we go. As many of you know, every episode we dedicate part of the episode to answering your questions. And from time to time, I like to take an entire episode and try to answer as many questions as we can because I get so many great questions and I know you guys definitely want an answer to them. And a timely answer is even better. So this episode is all about answering questions, getting that inbox a little bit less full, and of course, helping some people out in the process. And if you always want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email this week is from Joe Mock. It writes, Travel agent just informed me that our itinerary has swapped out Glacier Bay instead of the previously planned Endicott Arms Dawes Glacier. I think this is a major win as I think we got off the ship, but not sure. Where's the best place to find excursions as my cruise planner isn't updated yet? Joe, thanks for the email, buddy. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great websites that are out there. Uh, shorttrips.com is one that I know that is very popular. Uh, there's a lot of great choices, not only for Alaska, but or pretty much any place that a cruise ship goes to. But that's a really good uh, uh, spot to recommend. Uh, I know that uh, our good friend Annette Jackson from MEI Travel used that when we went to Alaska last year and reported some really good feedback from there. So that's a really good place to, to start. Uh, also, there's the Alaska Tourist Bureau. I've heard some really good things about that website. I know a lot of times when you hear, obviously it's an official website from the state of Alaska, but remarkably, there is a lot of good resources there. So I'd start in those places as a good jumping off point. And certainly, Joe, as you get closer to your 2020 cruise, I'm sure Royal Caribbean will also update its options as well. Next up, we have an email from Murph, who writes, I just listened to the podcast from the latest group cruise. And it reminded me of the group cruise I was on in March on Mariner of the Seas. I did not have internet, so I was not on the chat feature. So it was late to a few meetings. I hear they're going to allow a chat feature without an internet package. Can you elaborate on that feature? Thanks again for all you do with the podcast. Keep us up to date with all things Royal Caribbean. Murph, good to hear from you, buddy. And yes, you are correct. So Royal Caribbean is working on a new app right now. Uh, it's, it's called Royal Caribbean International. I think it's not very descriptive, but it's a new app. It's available on about a little more than about a dozen ships or so. And there's a new chat feature that Royal Caribbean is working on currently, like right as of this recording of this podcast, Murph. The chat feature is only available on Allure of the Seas and Harmony of the Seas. The plan is eventually all the ships in the fleet will get it. But the chat feature is, as you described it, a complimentary feature in which you don't have to buy an internet package in order to uh, chat on there. And allows for direct guest communication, you know, guest A to guest B. Uh, there's also group chat feature. So when it's rolled out, Murph, you'll be able to send all the private messages you need to uh, Ron Hiller and anybody else you're cruising with on a particular sailing. And of course, I know what you're asking. Okay, when is that going to be available on all ships? And the answer is uh, no one knows. It's kind of one of those things that Royal Caribbean is doing when they can. Frankly, I have no insight, in, no insight, insight into this, but my opinion, and this is just a guess and just kind of my thoughts on this, I really believe that the reason why it's taking a little bit longer than I think even I anticipated for some of these features and the app rollout to occur is because I think that all that negative feedback that Royal Caribbean experienced from its website has kind of told them, okay, until the features really rock solid, we're not rolling it out. And that could be part of it, just my guess, but 
Uh, it's one of those things where as soon as there is an option or an update, it will be just posted there. And certainly I will alert everybody to it on the blog as soon as I see anything there. Next, we have an email from Art. Actually, Rich, he signed his email, YOLO Art. I like it. All right, guys, I was listening to a recent podcast where you mentioned a Diamond Plus perk, which I haven't heard before. My ears perked up because my wife and I are now just several cruises away from that Crown Anchor status. You mentioned a specialty restaurant BOGO perk for Diamond Plus, but I searched the Diamond the Crown Anchor Diamond Plus page and can't find any mention of this. Is this a benefit you speak of real? Where can I find more information? It is a real benefit, Art. When you get to Diamond Plus... Uh, part of your onboard perks. So this is the perks that you get on board the ship art, not like something you can book ahead of time. But once you're on the ship, you can go to a specialty restaurant like Chop's Grill or Giovanni's Table and place that as a cover charge and ask them to, to tell them, hey, I'm a Diamond Plus member. And what they will allow you to do, Art, is you'll pay full price for one adult and the second adult is free. And yes, Art, if you and your wife, as an example here, you, you each get one. So theoretically, you can use it on two nights. Keep in mind the BOGO uh, perk that I'm describing is available for Diamond Plus or higher, Pinnacle as well. And it's only available on night one or night two of your sailing. So you have to take advantage of it then. It'll be listed, Art, once you hit Diamond Plus, when you get on board your ship, there'll be a letter in your stateroom that will list that and all of the other benefits that you receive as part of Diamond Plus. It's a really neat one. You know, you're paying full price, but it is a nice thing because obviously it's, you know, you pay full price for one person, but it's free for the second person. And so basically it's 50% off, you know what I mean? It's your, however you want to look at it, but it's not a bad deal. And certainly if you have onboard credit, it's a great way to use it. Next, we have an email from Zach Patterson of Cascade, Wisconsin, who writes, uh, Hey, Matt, it's Zach. Uh, first off, just want to say thanks for all you've done with your website and podcast. This resource you've created has become such a neat and valuable resource, making many, many vacations much, much better, and has gotten me to book another run on Royal Caribbean. I've cruised three times. My first was on Royal Caribbean on Mariner the season 2008, second on Princess in 2010, and the latest, the latest one was on Celebrity in 2015 to Alaska. And it's been too long since I've been on a ship. But now I'm playing the waiting game, counting down till June 2020, when me and my wife will celebrate our 10th anniversary on Oasis of the Seas, doing its first six-day sailing at New England, Canada. Just happens that we should have waited about a month longer to book and then possibly would have joined you on a group cruise to the north, but I took your advice to book as early as possible and I YOLO'd the cruise. Also, shout out to Heather at MEI Travel, who has been great, answers every silly question I can come up with. One thing I wanted to mention, as far as shore excursions go, because I've not heard it mentioned previously on the podcast, but when we were in St. Thomas back in 2010, so it may not still be an option, but we had booked a catamaran snorkeling sea turtle adventure, and as far as my two Caribbean cruises, this was the best excursion we've been on. There were maybe 10 other people on there, and we sailed about an hour to some little island, snorkeled with sea turtles and all sorts of tropical fish in perfectly clear water. It was just perfect. So if it's still an option down there, I highly recommend it. I do understand though, it may not be a mad adventure, but maybe for his family and surely enjoyable for others. I do have a couple of quick questions for you that maybe you'd have some insight in. Since this will be only the second cruise of, of four Oasis of the Seas to Canada and New England, do you have any ideas on how to even figure out what cruise compass will be even events will be planned? Should I just be looking at other six day Oasis cruise options to see what may be there? Let's answer that question right there. The answer to your question is Zach, Previously, this has been very difficult to plan, but the good news is, Zach, in the couple weeks leading up to your sailing, so figure about four to six weeks before your sailing, Zach, make sure you download the new Royal Caribbean app 
and your sailing should be loaded in there. You can start looking at the cruise compass that's loaded in there. In my experience, Zach, the cruise compass you see in the app is mostly accurate. I have seen instances where it lists something, an event that never actually occurs or it's a different time, but it'll give you a ballpark idea. So that'd be my advice because as you mentioned, Zach, there are no other past cruise compasses to look at. Zach also asks, um, also any suggestions on how to manage only six days on an Oasis class ship? Seems kind of like they should be only allowing 10 day sailings considering all she offers. Any absolute must do's? You know, when it comes, well, first and foremost, Zach, you can't do it all. You can't do it all in a seven night sailing. You're not gonna be able to do it all in a six night sailing. You can't do it all in a 10 night sailing. So you have to make your peace with that fact. And my advice is prioritize what you're most interested in doing and make sure you take advantage of that on sea days and or get back to your ship a little earlier. Don't forget, just because you're in port on a given day from, you know, time A to time B doesn't mean you have to be there the entire time. Maybe you're going to, you know, I don't know where your ship is going, but let's say Bar Harbor and you want to go to Acadia National Park, but you're there for a couple hours, you know, four or five hours and, you know, you come back to the ship, you know, take advantage of that extra time back on board and go straight to one of those activities. It's a great time to take advantage of that, but it's really about prioritizing. You're just not gonna be able to do it all. I mean, it's, it's, it's a simple fact of it. So, you know, in terms of, you know, absolute must-dos, the shows are really great. You know, if it's, whether it's the Royal Theater, in the Aqua Theater, in the ice skating rink, you gotta do that. I think you also gotta experience some of the great dining venues on there, so. And uh, Zach, just so you know, as of right now, I am booked on Oasis of the Seas uh, for Thanksgiving of this year. So we'll have some more information about that coming your way. As Zach also writes, we wanted massages on embarkation day, but also want to see sail away. Considering we're leaving through New York Harbor at 4.30, do you think a 1.30 appointment is manageable? Oh yeah, and you know why, Zach? Because if you have a 1.30 appointment, you still have mustard drill between your massage and sail away. So because what you're gonna have is you're gonna have uh, your massage, then you're gonna have mustard drill, and then sail away. So you should have time. Uh, also, uh, Zach writes, also up to this point in our cruising experience, Mariner was our largest ship experience. And I think we fancy ourselves a smaller ship, folks. Being that wow factor for Oasis and the way they manage crowds will be just fine on basically the biggest cruise ship on the water. Zach, absolutely. First of all, it's, it's cute you think Mariner is a small ship. Mariner is a large ship, dude. <laughs> It's a giant ship, but obviously Oasis is a much more giant ship. So you're not wrong in that regard. Uh, I would tell you this. You're gonna, if you love Mariner, you'll love Oasis. Bottom line, it's a great ship. It's not nearly as crowded as you think. Day one, embarkation day is a little, always a little hectic, but after that, it really settles down. I think you're gonna enjoy it a lot. You're gonna love it. It's a great, great ship. So no worries there. And, and since your cruise is until June, 2020, you got lots of time to read, listen, and watch as much as you can all about that ship. Next up is an email from Judy Grunke. I hope I said that right. Uh, hi, Matt. I'd love to hear your podcast about taking kids out of school on a cruise. I've taken my daughter out of school for the past seven years. Cruising has taught my daughter how to order dinner of ceviche, escargot, and other hard to pronounce foods. After seven years of traveling, she can tip politely in cash or when signing a tab. Signing a tab, I should say. Uh, she holds her own. She holds her own in dinner conversation at a table of ten. She knows to let people out of the elevator before getting in and does not complain during the lifeboat drill. Not all important life lessons are learned in school. Love the show. Yolo, bring your kids. Judy, I am of the opinion of yourself here, and I know this is a very controversial topic among parents, whether or not to take your kids out of school for vacation in general. When I was a kid, I know, every time you start that conversation, any argument with, when I was a kid, okay, things have changed, but when I was a kid, my parents always took me out of school. Not like every day or every week or something like that. I wasn't, you know, delinquent or anything like that, but we would take family vacations during the school year. Probably... You know, I, I would imagine, I'd have to ask my mom, honestly, what it really was like. I My percept, my recollection of it was we took off probably at least one week a semester, right? One week in the fall, one week in the spring, 
you know, usually in those days we were going down to Florida, maybe we we're going to go visit some family in Israel or we were going traveling somewhere else, but we would take a week off because traveling over traditional holiday seasons is crazy, crazy in that it's expensive, crowded and full of lots of other stuff. Um, so I, I firmly believe, you know, that's my background, A. B, I believe that children who are especially younger kids, I would say certainly in elementary school, Judy, I agree 100% with you. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of life experience there. Number two, I don't think that missing out a couple days in school is going to put going to Harvard at risk here. <laughs> I, I don't think that's the case. So that, that that's that's my opinion. Now, as a parent, and my oldest daughter is now eight years old, so she's in third grade. I have learned that despite your best efforts, honestly, as parents, it has, the system has changed where... Now, in our school system here in Florida, if you miss more than five, if you miss five days, un unexcused absences, so, you know, not sick, not, I don't know, some, you know, religious holidays, you are considered a delinquent, which is crazy. It's, it's, it's out of this world crazy, in my opinion, because, you know, I understand what the, the rules probably in there in place to prevent people from, you know, just kids showing up willy nilly taking, you know, random days off, you know, the kind of, we all know when we grew up, there were some kids who definitely abused the system, right? You know, the, the ones who, you know, I don't know, I don't know if they were faking being sick, but you know what we're talking about, right? And I understand why they're doing things like that. You can't have a system that allows somebody to show up for, you know, a third of the year. I totally understand that. But the idea that five days, I know I'm getting on my soapbox here, but the idea that, you know, five days, basically taking a week off for a cruise or a week off to go to Europe or whatever is, you know, putting your child at, at risk educationally is absurd. Now, I will also point out, and my wife points this out to me all the time, is that even though she's in third grade, and you might be saying on the surface, okay, you miss a week of third grade, who cares? What are they missing out on? You know, some algebra? Not algebra, what am I talking about? Multiplication? They're, you know, they're barely doing that, and, you know, that, that's not the end of the world. They can make it up. But the reality is it puts them behind the eight ball, and I think ultimately, Judy, I think this answered your question, and I will freely admit this. It depends on the kids. Some kids are more advanced than other kids. Some kids easily catch up more than other kids, and other some other kids really do... It, it snowballs very quickly for them. So first and foremost, this is very much, I believe, you got to know your kid. And you need, you'll need you know them because when your kid's been sick and missed a day or two of school, or you've been away for a vacation, you know, you miss a day or two, you know whether or not it has become, you know, it, it adds up to weeks of, of torture for both you and your child to catch up. Or if it, your kid really, you know, says, okay, you're on the ball. Because the idea that you're going to do, you know, homework on vacation, we've played that game. It rarely ever works. I mean, it's... Number one, it impedes in our schedule. Number two, the kid has no interest in doing it. And number three, it's not as practical as you might think. Uh, and there is no replacing directly being in, in the classroom. And I, and I freely get that. I think the, the the issue is it depends on your kid. And I think up to middle school, in my opinion, as long as your kid is comfortable with it and you comfortable with it and you understand the risks and what needs to be done in the meantime to catch up, I think that's perfectly fine personally. The school system may disagree. I also recommend no matter what you do, you always coordinate with the teacher. Let them know, hey, we're gonna be planning taking the kid out, give them a couple weeks notice. You know, what can we do to make up for it? What can we do? Can we do anything in advance? Can we do some extra work ahead of time to try to do some homework, you know, to do that? We've had teachers that be like, you know what, enjoy it, come back, we'll, we'll figure it out. We've had some teachers give us some work. I think one teacher actually was like, uh, we don't approve of this. And I was like, well, Tough nookies, we're going on it anyway. We'll see you back here in a week. I mean, what are you gonna do? Um, again, they were in, I don't know what grade that was at the time, but you know, it is what it is. Um, and, and I think that you gotta pick and choose your battles, but you also have to know your kid, and it also behooves you as the parent 
to make sure you do the, make sure your kid is doing the extra work. You don't just send them back in. You, first of all, you don't no show for a week and then arrive back in and be like, hey guys, I'm back. What did I miss? You know, you gotta, you, it, it's up to you to pick up the slack there. So Judy, I, I certainly commiserate with you. I understand exactly where you're coming from there. And, and I would be remiss if I said everybody should take time off, you know, take their kids out of school. I don't think that's necessarily the answer there, but I do believe that it depends on the situation and there are certain steps you need to take to mitigate any of that lost classroom time. And now I only talk about elementary school, of course, when you get to middle school and high school, it's a whole different animal. Lots of things happening. That's a whole other conversation. So we'll keep things moving here. Next is an email from uh, Mike who went on a Mariner of the Seas cruise. Uh, I wanted to provide three quick comments that may be helpful to the Royal Green Blog community. Number one, I love big ships. I've sailed on Oasis, Harmony, Symphony, and Allure in Europe. Uh, and Allure in Europe coming in 2020. However, my wife and I took our honeymoon on Voyager this season 2000, so I was a bit nervous that we'd be disappointed going back to that class. I was very wrong. Loved the ship, especially after the Amplified program. Felt brand new to us. All our familiar spots were there, including the ones on the, like the Skypad, new ones like the Skypad, the Bamboo Room. I also realized how much I missed the Crown... Eh, the Crown Lounge? Uh, I think I mean Viking Crown Lounge. As you know, when Oasis class ships, you can no longer go in the in the crown, as that's for sweet only guests. I love sitting back and enjoying the view. Also, walking around deck four after dinner was great. Number two, four night versus seven night cruise. I've never taken anything but a seven night cruise. However, this cruise came our first week of hitting Disney World and Universal Studios and was intended as a vacation from our theme park vacation. We love Disney, but in July with the heat indexes above 100 degrees every day, it is tiring. We all welcomed this cruise with open arms and four nights was perfect. Obviously living in San Diego, we normally wouldn't fly of a family of five across the country for four nights, so this was a great opportunity for post-theme parks. In terms of Perfect Day Coco Key, we spoiled ourselves and got a Thrill Park Cabana as the price was very reasonable versus buying full-day tickets for five people. We all loved it. We got a cabana right at the end of the slides in Dairy Double Tower, and the location was just perfect. The park closed for about 90 minutes around 11 a.m. due to lightning, but outside of that, it was a perfect day. As a final note, we did the Kennedy Space Center excursions after our cruise, and it was fabulous. I'm a huge space nut, so I was in heaven. Logistically, it was very well run. If you have your time and your flight doesn't leave until after 4 p.m., this is a great way to spend your time after disembarkation. Thanks for all you do. It was 15 months ago that I really got tuned into your blog and quickly became a Royal Caribbean Blog Insider. Anything I can do to help in your mission, please do not hesitate to ask. Mike, thank you so much for the email. Really kind of you to say. And I'm really glad to hear about your feedback. You had a great time on Mariner. Of course, great feedback right into that last email or two emails ago where somebody was going from an oasis to Voyager class. And yeah, it's, it's always, always a great uh, cruise right there. Uh, next is an email from Dina Denzel of Detroit, Michigan. Hi, Matt. First, I want to say thank you for all the great videos and podcasts. I've learned so much from my first cruise on Liberty of the Seas in March of 2020. I have a question I'm not sure you'll be know the answer to. I'm divorced and I have a 15-year-old daughter. Her and I will be going on our first cruise next year. My ex-husband was with us when we got our daughter's passport. That being said, is there any documentation or paperwork that I need to take with my daughter to take her out of the country? Or is the passport sufficient? He knows of our cruise and has given me permission to take her, but I don't know if there's anything else that he would have to sign for her to take out of the country. I would assume the passport is enough, but I'm not 100% certain if customs would question it. Thanks in advance. Dean, this is a really good question. Actually, I just saw a note the other day from somebody who was, they're, they're married, but a father took his daughter on a cruise by, you know, just like daddy-daughter cruise, right? And actually, he got questioned about it because uh, they they wanted to make sure this wasn't, you know, an estranged father taking their kid out and disappearing or whatnot. The bottom line is, and he had this, uh, all you really need, Dina, is, and it, first, you shouldn't need anything, but uh, just to cover your, your, your rear in this situation, Dina, 
get a uh, a a letter. Get a, type up a letter. There you can Google um, uh, uh, you know, child travel letter or something like that. There's a lot of like you know already pre-made ones, and you just fill in names. You sign it. Your ex-husband signs it, and you get it notarized. Go to a local notary, have it notarized, and you're pretty much. I don't know if it'll hold up in court, but at least it'll it'll help you get through your process. I believe this person in question, I don't want to use their name because I'm not sure if they're comfortable with me sharing this story, but uh, this person has something similar to that and and they were questioned about it, honestly. And he said, no, here, here's proof. My wife, you know, we're just traveling and they were good to go. So Dina, I think that would be the, that would be my recommendation. Again, I don't have any firsthand experience with this, but it is something, honestly, you know, thinking about it now, if I were to take one of my kids with me, I think I'd have to. I mean, it's, just, it's not that I should or need to. That's a whole different conversation. But hey, it's like five minutes for me to Google print. Uh, I have a friend who's a local notary, so that helps me a little bit there. But, you know, all those little things can really make a big difference. And probably it doesn't, uh, wouldn't be, or wouldn't hurt rather to have your ex-husband available to stand by on a phone call. But I really don't think it'll get to that point. I think more than, like, more than likely you'll have no issues. But, you know, better safe than sorry kind of situation. Next is an email from Shauna from New Hampshire, where we're taking our second trip on Harmony of the Seas in April 2020. We've been listening to your podcast since first booking on Harmony this past April and can't wait to go. This next time, we're bringing some friends along. Our next trip will be going to Coco Key, Cozumel, Roatan, and uh, Costa Maya. Do you know if any of these locations have open beach space to throw a frisbee around or play some beach games with our adult group we're having? We were somewhat disappointed with our last trip to Labadee, Cozumel, and Falmouth, and how little space the beaches actually had for any of these things. Also, do you know when the best discounts on drink packages come out? Last trip we got ours at BOGO 50% off rate, but I haven't seen that come up for our upcoming trip. Thanks a bunch. Love your podcast. So, Sean, a good email. Let's talk about uh, so open areas. At Coco Key, your best bet is to either walk down South Beach. I mean, the further you go down South Beach, the less people there are in general. Uh, also, there is a volleyball area uh, that's obviously a beach uh, near South Beach, kind of near where I believe the Cocoa Beach Club is going currently. Um, that'd be, but I'm, I'm, I don't know how much open space there is. You know, in Cocoa Key, again, South Beach is probably your best bet. Cozumel, I mean, there's a lot of beaches that are out there. It's a matter of how crowded they are. I would definitely shy away from some of the beaches that are like all inclusives. You're gonna get a lot more people there. Uh, maybe a beach like uh, Playa Palancar, perhaps Punta Sur. These are really large beaches. Punta Sur is probably your best bet. I mean, Punta Sur is the beach at the very bottom of the tip of Cozumel. Uh, it's infrequently visited because of its distance away from the cruise port. So you're gonna have a lot more opportunity there. That'd be my guess, my, my best bet for you. Roatan and Costa Maya, you're going to need to go to some sort of a a public beach or a resort or something to that effect. I don't have any that I can recommend. I, the one I went to recently in Roatan was uh, Mayan Princess, which was a semi-all-inclusive place. We have a review of it at royalcommunblog.com. But I don't think you're going to have really an, a ton of space there to throw the fr frisbee around. Um, I mean, look, you can. I don't want to, like, you can do this in pretty much any beach. You just have to, obviously, I know what you're doing, Sean. You, you want to be respectful of other people, which is what you should be doing. I have been in beaches where people just throw them around and, oops, if they, you know, I don't think anyone actually gets hit, but you know what I mean? You kind of, you know, we've been in the pool in, in places like Paradise Beach and Cozumel throwing a football around and you got to be cognizant of who's around you, but there are times in which, you know, there's an ebb and a flow to it. And as long as you're not being, you know, obtrusive or annoying, it's probably fine. But if you're looking for this sprawling beach, like I'm imagining, Shauna, like something like in Cocoa Beach here in Florida, 
I can, you know, there's giant beaches that extend for, you know, the width of them are really large and along with their length, and there's plenty of space to, to kind of stretch out, if you will. Um, I can't think of those kind of beaches here in the islands you're, you're talking about, but I do believe that if you search for it, there will be an opportunity for you to do so. And I think it's also not unreasonable, as long as you're respectful. Like, you're not, like, jumping over people who are trying to, you know, sleep or something like that, which I don't think you're going to do. But your last question is about drink packages. Here's my advice, and this is for anybody who's looking to buy a drink package. So, like, here's the example. Shauna knows she wants a drink package. She wants to get the lowest possible price. What you should do, Shauna, is book it now. Seriously, go to the cruise planner, lock in the price, book it now, and then uh, it, keep checking periodically, Shauna. I, I always post at royalcaribbeanblog.com any cruise planner sales that allow you to get a better discount. If there is a better price, Shauna, you cancel and rebook immediately, get the lower price. But the reason why I'm telling you to book it now and not try to just see if, there, if there's a price drop is sometimes the price goes up. Not sometimes, a lot of the times the price goes up, Shauna. So by locking it in now and booking it now, you'll lock in the price, guard against a price increase, but still have the opportunity to cancel and rebook immediately with no penalty if there's a price decrease. So hopefully that answers your question there. All right, let's move on to our next email. And it is from Evers Keller. Uh, writes, uh, howdy, Matt. Love the show. Listen to and watch your content on YouTube. I have a few questions. We're going on a Western Caribbean cruise on Liberty of the Seas. Second cruise on Royal Caribbean. We've booked a junior suite. Question number one. Are non-sailing guests permitted on board pre-departure? I would guess the answer is no, but I thought I would ask. The answer is no. That's correct. Number two. What are the differences between junior suite and suite perks, amenities, or privileges? Junior suite, despite the fact that you're a suite, really, you have very few perks. Um, you... You basically you have priority as a junior suite, you have priority embarkation, disembarkation. You have um, you get double crown and anchor society points, and you get upgraded toiletries in your bathroom. That's about it. There is no access to the concierge lounge. There is no access to the concierge staff, and the amount uh, and any special areas on the ship are not open to you. Like coastal, you don't have coastal cushion on 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 um, Liberty, but I would be talking about, there's usually a, in the pool deck, there's reserved seating. That's not for you over there. So that's the basics of it. Question number three, probably more of a show suggestion than a question, celebrity versus royal. What are the benefits that carry over and whatnot? Are they typically geared toward older folks? We've done a podcast about that a while ago, actually, uh, so you might have to go back to royalcoreanblog.com and search for it. My good friend, uh, Brian Atchell joined me on that episode where we compared it. He compared it. I've never been on celebrity. Uh, here's the thing. If you have cruised with Royal Caribbean, but never with Celebrity, Celebrity's uh, customer loyalty program, which is the Captain's Club, I believe, will honor your status in Crown and Anchor Society. So let's say you're Diamond. I'm just making this up here. They will give you the equivalent status in in Celebrity's Captain's Club, and you'll get the they 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 match it. You have to call, I believe, Celebrity to do this, but they will match your status. You will still accrue points back at zero. But eventually, if you took enough celebrity cruises, you could start. You would then move up past that. But in the meantime, you would be able to retain your equivalent status in celebrity. So, hopefully, that answers your question there. Um, and uh, is it geared toward older folks? I mean, it, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Just like Royal Caribbean, there is very much a variance in the ages and demographics depending on the sailing. Certainly, longer sailings will attract an older crowd. This is true of Royal Caribbean as as much as it is for celebrity. You know, I think the, the major difference is celebrity doesn't have nearly as ornate or as expansive children's activities, programming, and spaces as they do on Royal Caribbean. So that in and of itself may attract less kids, but there's still be kids on board. It's just a matter of, again, of, um, you know, what you're, I don't want to paint this picture that it's all going to be 
you know, the nearly dead and the newly wed. Far from it. I think it's going to be uh, maybe maybe it skews a little more towards the older crowd, but I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a, a, a floating um, senior citizen center by any means. So thanks for the email. Really appreciate it. Let's move on to our next email. It is from Stephen O'Brien from Dublin, Ireland. I bought a deluxe beverage package online for myself and my wife for Empress of the Sea selling in October. The package was on sale, and with the $100 onboard credit we had the selling, on the selling, the price was great. However, I now I want to cancel the drink package for both of us, and I'm wondering if Royal Command will give me back the $100 onboard credit. Will it be a case of hard luck, matey? Thanks for your help, Matt. Keep on cruising, uh, and keep the kids and cat off the periscope. Stephen, the answer is you'll get your money back immediately. So if you have onboard credit through Royal Caribbean and when you go to the cruise planner, you would see, hey, Stephen, you have a hundred bucks. If you cancel, if you use onboard credit to pay for something and then cancel it, the onboard credit comes back immediately to you, Stephen. So as soon as you cancel it, you would see back in your account for a new purchase uh, that hundred dollars back. So you'd be good to go there. All right, let's move on to another email. And this is from Jim Z of Plainfield, Illinois. His topic of this email, his subject was not another deluxe beverage package question. Hi, Matt. Love you. Love, love the show. Longtime listener. My wife and I are selling on alert of the seas and purchased the deluxe beverage package. Do you know what the dollar amount limit is on drinks? It's $13, um, Jim. So on Oasis or Quanticlass ships, it's $13. On all other ships, it's $12. Um, I appreciate all you do for the community and look forward to one day having a 12, 13, or $14 drink with you on a group cruise one day. And uh, by the way, so if, and one more step, Jim, with that. So on, you're going on alert of the season, a waste class ship, so your limit is $13. If there is a $14 drink, you would owe $1. So um, there you go. Good email there. And I'm looking forward to my 12, 13, or $14 drink at some point. <laughs> uh, next, we have an email from Hayden from London, UK. Hi, Matt. Just back off a seven-night cruise on Ovation of the Seas to Alaska. We have a few observations. This is our third cruise on after Harmony and Independence of the Seas. We loved Ovation. Seemed to be a better size in Indy and not as overwhelming as Harmony. 270 seems like a great space, but did not seem but did seem slightly underused. Remind us of the Eden on Celebrity Edge and is probably where Celebrity got the idea from. We miss having a Broadway show, but Pixels was a fun show in 270. Although we were my time dining, due to my wife's dietary needs, we ended up with the same table and staff every night, which made it close to the classic dining experience. The only special dining we did was Wonderland, but that is a fantastic experience and would recommend it to anybody. We had taken the key and it included Voom Internet, which worked everywhere except when we were at Endicott Arm. It seemed to be worthwhile value, especially when we could walk on the bumper cars when the main line was three quarters of the way around the C-Plex. Hey, thank you for the email. Glad to hear you had a great time on Ovation and that it worked out. I can't wait. I'm going on Ovation of the Seas next summer to Alaska. Oh, I'm so excited for that one. I cannot wait. Uh, next email is from Greg Verenu of Newington, Connecticut. Hey, Matt, love the podcast. Each week proves helpful for me during our recent last week on Harmony of the Seas. I thought a couple of things that might be worth talking about. For those of that are fairly new cruisers three times in the last four years, the wife likes to capture those special moments and purchase some photos. The problem was we had two balcony rooms for our older kids and ourselves. When the photos are, are taken, they, we, they can't use the wow band, simply ask for our room number. Both rooms were linked to my credit card. However, because of the, I believe, facial recognition, the photos of the kids went to their accounts and not ours. This messed up the packages we wanted to purchase. We eventually found a very helpful young lady that apparently was one or two people uh, working there and knew how to transfer the photos. This, however, took about two hours to clarify and somewhat ruined the last night of our cruise. If there is some way of setting something up initially, that would be helpful. Hope this isn't too wordy, but thought it would be worth a mention. It wasn't anyone's fault, just the way the system is set up. Also, you mentioned you have several wow bands and apply that can be reactivated. Is this so, and how does this work when the band is assigned to a specific muster station? Great, thanks for the email. So, uh, if you have a wow band, 
you can uh, bring it back on another cruise. You just go to guest services. They have an old wild bank and I exchange this for a new one and they'll get, they'll exchange it out. That's how you get around the mustard uh, drill problem. Plus not to mention the fact that your room is not programmed for it. So you're good to go there, go to guest services. They can handle that Greg for you. In terms of the photo packages, I think it's just like you said, it's the nature of the system. Um, obviously if you were in all the photos or your wife was, you'd have no problem there. I think, I, and I could be wrong, if someone knows of a way that's faster than simply going to the photo studio and set and transferring photos from room one to room two, I would love to hear it. I'm not aware of anything else, Greg. I think it's just the nature of the beast. Other than, of course, you know, you being in every single photo, but I, look, I've got kids. I don't want necessarily me and my wife in every single photo. Sometimes you want kids, photos of just the kids. Uh, I've never bought a photo package. Uh, I'm not sure why. Um, probably is I don't think we take nearly enough photos to make it worthwhile, but uh, we usually get two rooms, so I can see that being an issue. Uh, my advice might be, I'm not sure what night you did it, but obviously you want to, when it comes to photo packages or photos at all, you always want to avoid the last day. The last day is a zoo down in that photo area because everybody's got the same thing. Oh, it's the end of the cruise. Let's go look at our photos. Let's go buy them. And everyone's got a question. Everyone's got a problem. So, you know, if you can try to do it earlier in the cruise, I know obviously we still want to take advantage of photos to take later on, but I don't know, maybe it helps if you can get set up earlier on. So try your best. That, that's, that's my advice there. Uh, next, we have an email from Ian and Mitty. Hi, Matt. Uh, my wife and I are a couple of Brits, and we're taking our first ever cruise in just under three weeks, sailing on a waste of the seas out of Barcelona. I've been avidly researching the world of cruising in preparation for our trip, and RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com is my go-to staple for useful information delivered in a fun and engaging style. Your passion for cruising is evident, and certainly rubbing off on me having refused to cruise for years due to hang-ups that have been dispelled by reading your blogs and listening to your podcasts. I now can't wait to break in my sea legs. I've also even paid for the deposit for a second cruise, again, on Oasis of the Seas to Perfect Day at Coco Key out of Port Liberty in May 2020. I have three quick questions about our cruise. Number one, as we're in Europe, will it be okay to leave cash and tips in euros or are the staff still likely to prefer dollars? I think you're fine either way. Dollars and euros probably, I mean, they're very well accepted. I don't think anyone has any problem with there. I mean, you were going to drop in Mexican pesos. Yeah, I think or they'd have a problem with that, um, but that's fine. I don't think you should go out of your way. I think dollars is generally a good idea, but I don't think there's any problem with euros. Number two, I know the ship is cashless, but then again, we are in Europe where will the honorable prices for gifts be in euros or still in dollars? US dollars. Royal Caribbean operates the ships in dollars, so you, you should still see it in dollars. And lastly, Ian and Mandy want to know, we have been lucky enough to get the free deluxe drink package as part of the deal. I know, right? Uh, where and when should we collect our souvenir cups for the soda machines? They will be waiting for you in your stateroom, Ian and Mandy. So when you get in your room, they should be waiting for you. Talk to your stateroom attendant if they're not there, but 90% of the time they're there. There's occasionally I, I've seen where they're not there, but they should be there uh, at the right when you get into your room for the first time. So good stuff. All right, we got time for another email or two, and then I think we'll wrap things up here. Uh, our next email is from Jam, J-A-M. I think it's, I don't know, maybe, I think it's a, a initials of somebody. But anyway, Jam writes, hey, Matt, just started listening to your podcast, and I love it. I'm leaving on a cruise, um, and I'm thinking about getting the drink package. The only reservation I will have is the $12 free drink limit cover most of the drinks on board. I've been on 22 cruises, so we you would think I'd remember, but alas, I need to call in the expert. Thanks to your great podcast and helping me mentally escape every day. So the drink package limit of $12, I know that people are wondering, well, is that like all the drinks are covered or like none of the drinks? Basically, all the drinks are covered. Uh, you know, there's basically what that means is there's a few top shelf liquors that are not included, but other they're, they're few and far between. And certainly if you order a pina colada, 
a almost every beer, um, you know, any liquor, you know, shots, they're all included with the drink package. It's really, you'd have to specify, I want, you know, like a Johnny Walker or something like, I don't know which colors are expensive, but what, you know, something like that, that's not included with it, but I, I don't think that's really the case. So in your situation, jam, whoever you are, I think you're good to go there. And our last question for today is gonna be coming to us from Alex Blue, Blue Alex, coming from Alex. I'm not gonna butcher your name, Alex. <laughs> As I mentioned on one of your live chats, I recently yolo booked a sailing on Celebrity Equinox with about one month notice. Uh, our sailing went to Cozumel and Costa Maya, among other ports. So I thought I'd give my take on all-inclusive beaches, Maya Chan and Nachi Kokum. After all, we had both of these through Royal Caribbean blog. First, Maya Chan. My wife and I give this experience 9.99 out of 10. We can't go quite to 10 because the water was absolutely uninhabitable when we were there due to the ongoing seaweed issue, but we know this is not their fault and they worked hard to clear it as best they could. As you pointed out, the staff are very upfront about this, so it's hard to complain. However, the setup on the beach could not have made us feel more like VIPs. Everyone gets their own private space, which is perfect for lounging out all day. The staff there are phenomenal. In fact, I would go as far to say as the staff at Maya Chan, from the owners on down to the bar staff, for what I would like to see on the cruise ship itself, be it Royal Caribbean or Celebrity. The taco buffet lunch was amazing, the drinks were great, and the included transportation was convenient. They also offer 30-minute massages for 25 bucks, which we took advantage of. We were the only ship in port, and there were probably only 20 guests there, so it really felt like we were invited over to a family get-together with Jan and David, and they really relished in ensuring our needs were met. Another guest remarked in the taxi that she would book a cruise that stops the coast of Maya just to go back to Maya Chan, and we agreed. For Nachi Hokum, on the other hand, I could take it or leave it. I know you really liked your experience, some people swear by it, but I can understand why. It was comfortable, the water was beautiful, and the food and drinks were great as well. But as you can see from my Maya Chan feedback, I really value service, and I found it to be lacking at Nachi. The staff were not particularly friendly or invested in playing host. As much as the staff made the experience at Maya Chan, they detracted from the experience at Nachi. Again, the food, drink, beach, and accommodations were exceptional, so maybe worth another try just for that but I will have lower expectations of being treated like royalty next time. Lastly, I love you pronounce my handle on social media, Abelweiss, as it rhymes with Edelweiss, but it's really just my last name. Ah, oh, okay, so it's pronounced Blyweiss. Okay, well, Alex, <laughs> thanks for the email. Thanks for the good feedback there. Uh, number one, I agree about Maya Chan. Uh, the service is unbelievably good. Uh, you nailed it right there in your review. Nachi, I'm surprised. You, I mean, look, I don't think Nachi service comes to the same level of Maya Chan, but I think it's always been pretty good. So I'm surprised to hear that you didn't like it or that they you thought they were uh, not particularly friendly. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say give it another shot. I still think Nachi Kokum in Cozumel is probably among the top choices for an all-inclusive day in Cozumel. It's just, it's a great value. Uh, I like that the fact they limit the amount of people that come there, so it really doesn't make it into a zoo. And I think their food is great. Their be as you mentioned, the beach and their pool is just mediocre, I think. It's, it's nothing special, but the beach is wonderful. So, you know, it really depends what you're looking to do, quite frankly. But uh, Alex, thanks for the email. Thank you to everybody for tuning in to this week's episode of the Royal Korean Blog Podcast. If you want to send me your emails to be read eventually on this show, I'd be happy to answer them eventually. Send them to Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com matt m-a-t-t at royalcaribbeanblog.com so until next time i'm matt hotchberg and we'll talk again real soon